Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is flying in style to any of the circuits on this year's Formula One calendar or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, we deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINTS, you can save over $8,000 per jet card. Use promo code POINTS and fly to the Formula One circuits in style at fly.flyalliance.us slash points. Welcome back to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. On this week's episode, it's race week at none other than the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku City, a true street circuit with arguably the fastest straight on the calendar. A newer circuit dating back to only 2016 is a welcomed addition to the overall calendar, pulling together the perfect balance of high-speed straights, technical corners, and a picturesque drop back to boot. Last year, we saw insane drama with tire blowouts and lockups as title contenders Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton dropped outside the points, and Checo Perez enjoyed his first race win and podium with Red Bull Racing. Listen in as we talk random racing dreams, preview the street circuit, discuss which teams need to make moves to stay in the title fight contention, and as always, our predictions for race weekend. This episode is full of high-speed corners, DRS zones, and the hottest Formula One takes in the business. Don't touch those buttons, because we are going racing. to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. I'm your host, Matt O'Teal. Joined as always with me are my co-hosts, Sam Russell. Matt, in the words of the famous Azerbaijanian poet, Nizami Ganjavi, he who sleeps on the road will lose either his hat or his head. And that's wise words for Baku week, folks. We've got big storylines left and right. We got a lot of pressure and some teams and drivers with their backs up against the wall. We're going to see some people either lose their head or their hat. I can't wait. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, that is just, I don't know how to follow something like that other than to say, join with us as always as the other co-host, Stefano Sedano. And for Roger, Roger, hopefully I don't lose my hat in this discussion, folks. Let's get right into it. Hell yeah, brother. Fire it up, guys. It's race week. We're back. Baku, Azerbaijan Grand Prix is this weekend. Super excited. It's going to be electric. We've got one of three doubleheader weekends leading up to the summer break. We've got this, then Montreal, Silverstone, Hungaroring, and then we've got, I think, Austria and France all in the next 
I think eight weeks until July 31st. It's going to be epic. We're super pumped to be back. Guys, I got a, I got a special topic first, though. I, I was texting you guys about this. So before we dive into like the race preview or anything, I, guys, I got I to gotta talk to you about like this dream that I had last night. It was like the most surreal thing I've ever had in my entire life. It was a lucid dream. So like I like remember what was going on. Like I knew what I was doing. It was one of the more bizarre things, but also like one of the coolest things. I literally thought it was real to the point where like I think it might come true. And I need to like get this off my chest and talk to you guys about it. And I need your honest takes. Uh, so guys, last night I had a dream that I raced a Formula One car in Baku, like as a Red Bull racing driver, like wore the overalls, everything like was like warming up with the team. Like Max was my teammate, Sergio was my teammate. But like the craziest part of the whole dream was like, I talked with Will Buxton for like 45 minutes about the podcast and he was like a huge fan and said he was going to come on the podcast, do an interview with us, promote it, loved us. He like gave me like a big hug and was like, you should get a tattoo. But like it was one of the more absurd. Like I woke up this morning being like, I thought that that was like a real life dream. Like it was absolutely absurd. Me, Will Buxton just had like a conversation about the podcast and I, I just I don't know what to say. I needed to tell you guys on air. Like I that's it was wild. Yeah. Like, that's, Matt, that's inter- interesting. Uh, Will, if you're listening out there, please make our boys dream come true and come on the podcast. We know you're a fan. We know you listen. You don't have to pretend anymore. Just join us for an hour. We'll have a good time. Make my yeah. literal dream, literal dream come true. All I have to say to Will is if you are listening to this podcast it is the only podcast growing at the speed of formula one it's true no you guys are right i I just i needed to share on air because it was surreal like i I woke up this morning like in a state of depression thinking like oh man and the other craziest part about it was like the opening lap of the race it's super hard to drive the cars in my dreams let alone on track yeah what was your breaking point on turn one on turn one, my breaking point was like the 200 meter mark. Like I started like in the midfield and like I was just trying to like not crash the car. But the craziest thing was like up ahead on the track, one of the McLarens got airborne and it like was spinning in the air and flew into a barrier. It was totally and utterly bizarre. I think I made it through like lap one on skate and then there was like a red flag restart because like the McLaren flew through the air. And then I just like went back into the pits and then I think I woke up. And it was just whose McLaren was it? Uh, I well, that's such a cheap like it. I don't really remember, but I I wanted to say Danny Ricardo, but I I don't really remember, and I don't think it was their fault. It was like um, it was like the the Schumacher Brazil incident you know where he gets like spun up into the wall and like he's like his car goes like uh, sideways and he gets like pancaked up against the wall like it was like that but like the car went like this way and it just the wind took it like it was a sail on a sailboat anyway guys that was like that was what i had to get off my chest bizarre for me it was a great night's sleep it was a great night's sleep i slept like a baby woke up this morning sad depressed thought will buxton was actually like on the podcast was boys with him thought we were getting paddock passes turns out not actually at all happening uh really really sad for my for my end to wake up no i don't have paddock passes for you guys i wish i did i uh, wish we had will buxton as a featured guest on the podcast but i guess we'll just have to settle for the fact that it's race week and we got baku high speed street 
street circuit, one track that like is one of my favorites to watch races on. Crazy race that happened last year. But Stefano, let's start with you. Give us the track side preview for this weekend at Baku, Azerbaijan. Right, Matt. We are, as you say, heading into Baku, the city of wind in the land of fire. This Sunday, we'll see 10 teams and 20 drivers converge on this beautiful ancient city to compete in one of mankind's oldest forms of competition, speed. Moving on from the Monaco street circuit, we have another technical circuit on the streets of Baku ahead of us. Six kilometers and 20 turns await Formula One's elite drivers as Monaco's victor, Sergio Perez, will look to defend not only his most recent triumph in the Principality, but last year's success in the oil-rich Azerbaijani capital. The third longest of Formula One circuits, this will prevent drivers with familiar challenges, such as fast straights, long sweepers, and a particularly tough fight to conquer the castle at turn eight. A pit lane entrance adjacent to the 350 kilometer per hour main straight will provide no shelter for drivers seeking a momentary respite from the mayhem on track. A favorite among fans and drivers alike, this is a race of true bravery, a test of one's mettle as Baku turns from the city of wind to the city of speed. Fire it up, because it's time to go racing through the streets of Baku. This is the Azerbaijani Grand Prix. Wow, I fucking love that intro, Stefano. You did an absolute unreal job there, man. I think the only thing you missed in that whole thing was two DRS zones for our boy Sam D.R. Russell, who is no stranger to loving this. Big time upgrade from from Monaco. I'm super excited for for the race this week. Sam, what's your take on the race week? How pumped are you? Is this like to me? This is one of my favorite tracks. To be very honest with you, I think it's awesome. And to have a wicked high speed back straight with the second DRS zone, you've got to be you know counting your lucky stars. You must be yeah. dreaming. Yeah, no, you guys said it great. I love this track. Absolutely love it. Big fan of it. Um, perfect mix of street circuit and straight speed spar, uh, straight speed parts. Um, I'm very excited for the DRS zone between turns two and three. Um, I think that will provide some really interesting moments in the race, some interesting overtaking opportunities with that 90 degree turn, um, turn three. And then sector two between the buildings and the castle. I mean, it's just, it's very, very cool. Um, aesthetically just awesome. Um, and then you get sector three with that insanely long turn, uh, long straight. It's just, it's a very cool track. Uh, it's got different parts that kind of fit the diff, uh, the different teams. So it, it was tough trying to figure out who's going to, who's going to come, uh, come on top this week. Um, I'm, I'm super excited for it. I can't wait. Great track. Um, I feel like most years that they've had this track, which I was surprised to see. This is only what the fifth time, fifth race they've had it at Baku. Um, it seems like every single one's been super exciting and had some really interesting moments. So I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. First Grand Prix dates back to 2016, but you know, the way that these guys race this track, you would think it's been on the calendar for as long as Monaco has. It's just, it feels like such a good, perfect fit to the overall circuit. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these cars fan out. I think they're going to be totally fine because the sector two, like they've got a couple of twists bits as Stefano likes to call it, but nothing super crazy like what we saw in Monaco or even in Miami, to be honest. And to your point, Sam, that back straight from turn 19 into turn one, that's arguably the fastest back straight on the entire circuit. I think it's one of the longest ones. Yeah, it is one of the longest and it's like one of the most high speed uh, back straights probably on circuit in any calendar that we've ever seen so far. And 
for those of you who recall from last year, it's where Max Verstappen had that rear right rear blowout going, I think like 320 kilometers an hour at probably like 75 G's into the wall. And I mean, last year's race was crazy. And it was to your guys' point earlier, it was Sergio Perez's first win and podium on as a Red Bull racing driver, the number two driver. And honestly, Charles Leclerc has the record in terms of fastest lap. So yeah, to he, your holds, point, he holds two track records uh, at Baku, one in Formula One and one, I believe, in GP2 racing as well. So he, he's no stranger to this track. No, not at all. And it's to your Sam, you said it really well. It's like the perfect combination of a street circuit, but picturesque too. Cause like Jetta's high speed, but it's just kind of like a bunch of cage. It's like racing in a cage. I saw someone say it's a mix between Monaco and Monza, which I thought was said yeah. pretty well. Um, yeah. it, it that's, just, a great, that's a great yeah, way to it's describe got, it. It's got great characteristics of both those courses. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great place to watch a motor race. It really I, think, is. I think in terms of like circuits, I want to go visit. This is definitely like top five. Easily sure. agreed. Easily top five. And I love that the Monica's uh, almost, or the Monzaco, maybe it's the Monzaco yeah, Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. And it's super cool, man. I'm, I'm excited, but to your point, guys, super hard to call who's got the advantage going in this week. I mean, to be honest with you too, I felt like we didn't even really learn a whole lot from these teams in Monaco. It was felt like Monaco was almost like so far removed from how to like actually perform on track, what these cars are actually capable of. It just felt like I look back at, at Spain, Miami, Imola, Albert Park, Jeddah, and I sit there and I say, man, Monaco told me nothing about these cars. And we're back to, it's almost like we're back to like the regular scheduled programming. And maybe that had to do with more of the rain. Maybe it had to do with the fact that like the cars are bulky or whatever, but I, I, it's hard to predict this one because part of me wants to say Mercedes has a little bit of an advantage, but like with these long high speed streets, how can you not sit there and think that the Red Bull and Ferrari are going to dominate again? And it's going to be another Jetta or Miami replay where both, all four of those cars are fighting on circuit. Let's start with that, I guess. The the battle for the top two teams. So throw Mercedes into the mix. Like, where do we think these these three teams are going to fan out on track this weekend? And maybe maybe somebody on this podcast has a different take on. Maybe it's none of those three. But I think it's at this point very hard to go against them. But anything could happen here, Stefano. Let's start with you. Do you think that? It's we're going to see another Red Bull Ferrari clear battle, or is this going to be maybe we get Mercedes McLaren back up in the mix? Honestly, like you said, it's tough. It's tough to predict. I mean, if we're going to judge it based on last year's chaotic race here, you know, it could be anyone. You know, uh, I think later in the podcast we're going to really get into some some hot takes as to who's going to finish where on the grid in the race, but. Um, you know, as a preliminary tentative sort of guess, you know, there's no, there's no going against Red Bull and Ferrari here. Uh, Mercedes is definitely in the mix, but like comfortably and solidly distant third. They're not touching Red Bull or Ferrari. Wow. What do you have to say about that, Sam? Well, it's, it's really hard to disagree. I mean, I, the way I look at this race is, um, you know, sector two, I think Ferrari's going to have the advantage 
um, in those twisty, you know, tight corners. And then I think Red Bull is going to have the distinct advantage in sector three. And it's going to come down to who outperforms who in sector one. But uh, I agree with Stefano. I, I think Mercedes will be there if to pick up the pieces if something happens. And maybe a little teaser for a, a take I might have later on the show. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, Ferrari and Red Bull will be in, in a class of their own again. Um, but Mercedes won't be too far behind, but there'll still be a, a gap between those those two teams. Man, I love it when you guys tease me on the podcast for your future takes. That always gets me super excited. Uh, so, but speaking of Mercedes for a second here, frankly, I think this weekenders make or break for where they where they are in the constructors. Like, I think we've this is a long season, but this would be the eighth race out of twenty three. They've got a bunch of double headers coming down the straights. They've got this, and then they go right into Montreal. They've got then Silverstone and France and Austria and Hungary. And predominantly, those are pretty like high speed circuits. I think the Red Bull ring obviously favors Red Bull. I think Ferrari's got a good package. So to me, with all these double headers coming up, Mercedes needs to make a move this weekend. And I think we learn a lot about whether or not they have a contention for the title at all coming in down the stretch because each week that goes by, we're getting to a point where it's basically like put up or shut up for Mercedes. And we're going to learn a lot about what that team has been doing since Monaco coming into this weekend. Now, I think that they had a great car in Spain. I think we're going to see another good car on track from them this weekend. It's just such a hard prediction because the other two teams are so strong, but they if they don't if they get stuck behind McLaren again if Lewis Hamilton gets stuck behind uh, Fernando Alonso I think we can basically kiss Mercedes season goodbye and they're probably a comfortable third after this yeah. week yeah Matt in terms of them sticking around in the constructors hunt they they needed at least one person on the podium like almost the rest of the season like they they yeah. can't they can't be um, letting it be Red Bull Ferrari in the podium every, podium every week. They won't be able to catch them. Yes. So I totally agree with you in terms of staying in the constructors hunt. They need at least one person on the podium this weekend. No question about it. Yeah, they're currently 101 points behind Red Bull. They're only 65 points behind Ferrari. So a couple reliabilities and them having like a strong like two, three weekend, three, four weekend and splitting the bulls, splitting the bulls in the Ferrari, something like that. Like they're right back into this mix, but if they get a consistent, like if Lando finishes fourth or fifth and then George Russell's fifth, and then you've got like a Valtteri or a Ocon finishing ahead of, of Lewis. I, I honestly think I, I'd hate to say it, but I think that's Mercedes season. I really, like, yeah. I think it's kind of come down to this week because they won't have enough time to fix whatever that is heading into Canada. Yeah. Mathematically, it just doesn't work out. You right. know? They, they, they need to start cutting into that. Like now. Yeah. Which yeah, and I think, I think their biggest problem here is they have one driver who's very clearly on it in George Russell and one driver in Lewis Hamilton, who's sort of halfway you know, the, if the car presents him with a particularly difficult proposition to drive it, you know, with porpoising or, or understeering issues or anything to do with the suspension, then, you know, Lewis gets a little bit whiny, a little bit uh, in his own head and psychs himself out of the race. I mean, we saw it in uh, Spain, I believe, where he, on lap two, he wanted to retire the car and then the the pit crew from Mercedes urged him to keep going and then that sort of snapped him out of his whole shtick and then he uh, had a brilliant drive into I believe P4 if my memory serves me correctly um, so I think if Lewis can conquer his sort of 
self-imposed demons, I think Mercedes will be in a better spot because right now they only have one driver who's consistently, you know, driving with, with intention and motivation and, and determination in George Russell. Lewis needs to beat George this weekend. He does. Plain and simple. He needs to just for his own like sanity and to keep the competitive juices flowing in him. He needs to beat him this weekend. I think it's, I think it's super important for him. Yeah. He's 34 points behind his teammate in the driver standings and he hasn't finished ahead of his teammate. Maybe what once at Bahrain. Was that the last time he did it? That was it. Right. Bahrain. And I mean, I totally agree with both of you. I think, I don't know what's up with Lewis versus George. I, Part of me thinks like George knows he has a golden opportunity and he doesn't have the the accolades like Lewis to complain as much. And he has to be on form to like secure his positioning on the team. Like that's probably part of it. The other part is like, I think he's just younger. He can handle the porpoising and all the, the nonsense that's coming with that car a little bit better. He's got a little bit more of that young, um, you know, young, dumb and full, you know, what type of in him to kind of push versus Lewis is probably just like, this isn't really our season. We got a lot of work to do and it's not a very good car. Like he has nothing really to prove to anybody, but it's just, it's really not fun watching him complain over team radio while his teammates like he still has. I, I said last week going in, it was going to be a lot of firsts. I didn't think George Russell was going to be top five. He has not finished outside the top five once this entire year. Like Mr. Consistency. Mr. Consistency. Six to one, six to one against Lewis. Yeah. That one was Bahrain. And only, only up four and three in qualifying, which I think is kind of even more of an interesting tidbit because he's just outraced Lewis. Not even like, you know, for some reason he's got a, a tweak in his car that's making it faster in qualifying. And he's just, you know, fi- starting uh, further up the grid. He's out racing him. He's just been better on the track this year. You got to wonder too, with Lewis Hamilton coming back to Baku, he started on pole last year and he ended up slipping to both bulls throughout the race. Obviously Max had that mega blowout um, down that back street. I think around like lap 49. Cause there was like a two lap shootout after that. And then Lewis just, he locked up. He had the wrong brake balance on with that magic button. Julian Palmer did a great job breaking it down for us last year. But that was like Lewis's honestly, you look back to that and that was probably like what cost Lewis the title last year. That back, that back star, that um, lockup into turn one where Sergio just overtook him. He went to the back of the pack with two laps to go. Max was out of the race, and that was 25 points up on Max that went back to zero, which was a huge turning point. It was very, like, I mean, you look back on it, it's like there's a million reasons that could have cost somebody the, the title fight, probably more so to do with, with Sam's best friend, Michael Massey. I think you guys were getting lunch the other day. But you look at that race and you say, how was that not such a big contribution to? Like that was everything. Two laps. Lewis just locked up, had the wrong button on, went right in, almost caused a crash with Sergio Perez. Checo finished on podium. Sebastian Vettel and then <laughs> what a what a motley crew of this podium. It was uh Checo Perez, Sebastian Vettel, and Pierre Gasly on on one through three last year. I Vettel, think uh, I think this is the site of Lance Stroll's only podium as well. I think it is. It, it's either this one or it was Soki. Which says all I need to know about the unpredictability of what's probably going to happen on Sunday. Absolutely. And Sebastian Vettel's finished like fourth, fourth, fifth, fourth, third here in the past few years. So 
It's hard to say that. That was also in my dream, by the way, not to call back. Uh, Will Buxton reiterated that it was a pig of a car of the Aston Martin. I remember saying it to him. It was like, the Aston Martin's a pig of a car. He looked at me and he goes, that is a pig of a car. So you can see where my head was last night. I was like itching to kind of talk on the podcast. It's again, I just, I have no pulse on this weekend right now. It sucks because I usually have a pretty damn good pulse on what's happening. I do have a take though in the top two teams. I think Carlos Sainz has a bad weekend. Sam, I really hope you don't say Carlos Sainz is going to win a race this year for this week. I rewatched the tape last year. He struggled so much to get around this track. Qualifying, he crashed. He was the only car to go off the track and lock up into like one of the like runoff areas. He locked up onto lap 17. He locked up in lap like 25. He like looked like I just went back to the tape and I wasn't even like looking for anything. And I just like noticed a theme that Carlos signs. Like he just struggled to get around Baku last year. And with these newer, clunkier cars, I just am worried. Like these guys are pros, but it's just kind of the Danny Ricardo syndrome, right? Where you watch somebody not perform, you get worried that this track doesn't suit their eye as much. Like probably like Sam golfers, right? Like a certain course that just doesn't suit their eye. You're just kind of like, they don't perform well there historically. That's one that I was like, I picked up. I was like, Whoa, there's a lot of lockups for a Carlos Sainz and a Ferrari. Now, I don't know if there's anything to take away from it, but that was my my gut reaction from Ferrari. Yeah, if Carlos Sainz is due a win this season, it's probably not going to be in Baku. Um, Tell us you more. Might be, you might be talking me into taking Carlos Sainz this weekend. I might be. You might be fading me right into next Tuesday. Hell yeah. Fire it up. Tell us anyway. more, though, why you don't think Carlos Sainz is going to win at Baku this weekend, Stefano. I just don't think he has it in him, you know, uh, watching the the race last season, like you said, you know, he had such trouble getting around the circuit. Um, and I think, you know, his teammate being so much better suited of a driver for this course, um, gets in his head a little bit where he feels that he needs to sort of drive outside of his limitations to sort of keep up. And that could present the problem where, you know, you may have more lockups, you may start getting, you know, flat spots on the tires, maybe even a, a crash. Um, so I think, I think his teammates performance sort of affects Carlos signs negatively and it, it will show, uh, this coming weekend in the race. He is coming off. I don't even think arguably his, his best race of the season so far. So he does have some momentum to keep in mind. True. But I mean, the momentum is mostly due to his own team's failures. And he did have a strong qualifying. He was on second yeah. row. He was on the front row. He was right alongside his teammate. Yeah. He got some hard luck when Sergio Perez put his car into the wall. He was probably on a pretty good flyer. But he, again, goes back to like, is Monaco even like, you can see the same thing about Sergio Perez. Monaco to me is such like a different race, but regardless, this wasn't intended to be a Carlos Sainz bashing. I just remember looking at the tape being like, man, I, in my head watching it said, Sam's going to say Carlos Sainz is going to win a race this year. And I really hope it's not Baku, but maybe this is the weekend to do it. You know who else? In the same vein, I watched the same tape again. Valtteri Bottas had a horrible race last year at this track too. So it's like those two, I jotted them down as like, those are my two right now, like without going into predictions at all. But those are like my two that I have like 
I'm very cautious to avoid for this weekend. Um, and obviously the third one that I would put into that bucket, because we do everything in threes here, three hosts, three podiums, three, three of everything, uh, is Danny Ricardo. I, I think he is going to be totally outside the points this weekend. I don't think he's going to do anything positive, And I think he's going to be super skittish on this street circuit. He's my other guy to avoid. I, I think you avoid Carlos. Like Carlos Sainz will be up in the points. That's one thing. And I think um, Valtteri maybe as well. Danny definitely not. But those three I'm like worried more so about. Like normally we say, oh, we think, you know, Valtteri's going to be on a podium or top five and Carlos might win a race and Danny Ricardo, da, da, da. But like those guys, they did not get around the track well last year. I don't like them at all. Um yeah, that, that's so far like where I'm at right now. And I don't want to get into predictions quite, quite yet. But um, yeah, that's that's who I'm I'm superly cautiously avoiding. And then obviously, Nicholas Latifi and Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll had another he had a big crash last this time last year, too. He similar to Max blowout went into the wall. I mean, I feel like the amount of times you say that about Stroll, you're better off describing the times he doesn't have a blow and go into the wall than you are talking about the times he does. But Sam, talk to us about Ferrari this weekend. I mean, Carla, Charles Leclerc coming off of a, a horrible strategy impact to him, out of his control. He had a great weekend, all weekend in Monaco. He's got to be like, he's he's only, I think, nine points off of, of Max Verstappen. He's not like anywhere in remotely close to hitting panic button, but I feel like he internally is hitting the panic button because of his race week at Monaco. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, I feel like we've had this this same conversation about him for a couple of weeks in a row now. So you know that it's intensifying. Um, he's got to he's got to win a race again. He's got to win a race again. Just I think for his own mindset that he is the driver's championship favorite because he is. I mean, let's not forget that this Ferrari is still the fastest car out there, sans any reliability issues. So. I think just for his own personal mindset and confidence, he needs to go and win a race ASAP um, because, you know, Max, he's got the heart of a champion at this point. He's won. So, you know, he understands the longevity of the season and he, you know, he already didn't hit the panic button. He, he weathered the storm that first part of the season and he's found himself back on top. So, you know, you know, he'll be able to hang throughout the, the whole entire um, span of the season. But Chuck, we don't know yet. This is his first real um, you know, bout with uh, with a championship contender. And we're going to find out a lot about him um, this weekend because I, I think he, he needs to win. Uh, he needs to win one now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to your point, Sam, I think I think Chuck is due a win and I think he'll finish the season with several more wins. Um, what I'm going to be looking at this this coming weekend is his confidence in his own team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is he going to start calling, calling the shots? Is he going to be trusting, you know, the strategy to the actual strategists, strategists within Ferrari? Um, I think that's going to be a major thing to look at going into this race. Um, you know, as evidenced by what happened in Monaco last, last, what do you uh, think last he time should do, Stefano? You think he should start calling his own shots? Honestly? Yeah. Uh, it worked for Carlos in Monaco. Um, granted, you know, Baku's a bit more predictable of a circuit than Monaco, um, especially when you factor in, um, you know, the fact that it probably won't rain as much as in Monaco either. So there probably won't be, you know, the switch from wets, intermediates, but then to slicks and, you know, all those different strategy calls. 
Um, it's probably going to be more of a straightforward uh, race as far as strategy goes, but um, I think he'll definitely have more input this time around than, than, than in Monaco. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing too, though, to keep in mind is like the worst thing you can do as a driver is after like a tough weekend with your team, start questioning everything that your team does. Like we saw it so many times with both Red Bull and Max and Mercedes and Lewis over the past few years where teams just have an off weekend. I think we saw in France last year where where the team came on team radio and uh, and Bono apologized to Lewis being like, hey, sorry, we thought it was going to be a one stopper. And, you know, that's on us. Like you raced a be- beautiful race. And, and Lewis was like, that's OK. Like we learn from every week and we'll we'll go we'll come back and, and do it again. And, you know, the same thing happened, I think, Max at, in Hungary in two years ago, where they again, opposite, they were on the one stopper and uh, Mercedes went on the two stopper and they caught them at the end and they lost. And the same thing happened. It was like, hey, you know, we had we called the wrong strategy. Day. So like strategy calls are going to happen. The worst thing that you can do is come out of those weekends and start doubting every strategy call that your team makes and the team the worst thing they can do is start to doubt and question their own strategy calls in the middle of the race and start asking drivers because the minute that your race engineer sounds with like they have a lack of confidence you're going to lack confidence and then that's going to result in you having a cascading effect and now you're going to like lose more and more races and then you're just going to like you're going to lose races that you probably should win and that's the one thing i really hope doesn't happen is i hope the team kind of takes this week off collects themselves monica was in the words of sam dr russell which is a wacky wacky wet wacky weekend and i really want them to come back strong and say Let's put that behind us and move and look forward. It's a long season. They still have 15 races, included, not including this one. And they've got arguably parts of the circuit in the calendar that fit their car a little bit better than Red Bull. And this arguably is maybe one of them. It definitely um, is. It's so... I really don't want, if you're asking me my opinion, not a Ferrari guy, I don't want them to call him to call his own shots. Trust the team learn from the mistakes, move forward, and just chalk it up to to Monaco curse for Charles Leclerc. He'll probably never win Monaco for his entire career, uh, which is okay. Plenty of drivers have never won all the circuits, and they go on to win drivers, drivers' championships. So I just, you know, most likely Charles Leclerc will never win at Monaco. It's okay. You Sometimes you don't have to win your home race to be a driver's champion. That's and on the golden board. Yeah, put it on the bulletin board. I feel like that. I feel like my bulletin board is getting a little bit more full than your guys' bulletin board. But uh, I mean, it's funny because you know, at this circuit, we've seen wins of Nico Rosberg, Danny Ricardo, who we talked about, Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, so um, including even Sergio Perez. But I think Max really wants to go back and win after last year. He had it in the bag. He wants to keep pushing and, and solidify his race weekend. Uh, or sorry, his driver's lead over over Charles. Another one to look out for, though. You guys have been talking about this for weeks. I think we're going to see more drama within Red Bull between Checo and Max this weekend. That's a yeah, pretty strong. I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. Yeah, I'm glad I'd you brought to hear that you guys up. Talk about it. It's a it's a huge week for my man Checo Perez. Um, I wait, think, hold on. Are I you think, now a Checo no, no, fan? No, 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 Are you no, no, no. now a Checo fan? You're yes, Lewis, big time, Mercedes, big time. a Charles, a Ferrari, now a Checo guy. I'm now a Checo Sam, guy. Sam, were you also a closet Checo guy? 
Yes. Yeah. Now I'm out of the closet. Can't wait to get a a Ferrari Mercedes Red Bull tri shirt, three different stripes, all three teams. Yep. My man Checo, big, big weekend. He is right in the middle of the championship fight. Um, You know, it's the odds might be stacked against uh, Checo, but you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if Joe's Verstappen's on the team radio this weekend with the Red Bull (laughs) strategy. Um, But I think Checo knows there's an opportunity in front of him now and maybe one that he'll never get again. So it's time to seize it. Um, I I think if Checo really wants to be in the driver's championship fight, he's got to show up this weekend and finish second. If Max wins second, um, if Max comes in second, he's got to finish third. He needs to be on the podium this weekend. He can't let this gap get too big between him and Max because then we, well, you know what will happen. They'll sabotage Checo uh, to make sure Max wins. He needs to keep that margin slim so that he forces those crooks, Christian Horner and the Red Bull team from sabotaging him any, any longer. Honestly, I think he needs to beat Max this weekend. Uh, he really needs a statement out there. Um, you know, just so that there's no doubt in the team that these guys need to be racing wheel to wheel going forward and not having Checo pull over so that Max can, can go ahead and get more points in the championship fight. Uh, if he beats Max this weekend, I think that'll put a stop to that. Um, it'll, it'll solidify Checo's credentials in this championship fight. So, uh, a big hell yeah, brother to Checo, uh, for this, this weekend. Reminder, he should only be down six points if they didn't sabotage him, um, a couple of races ago. So we'll, we'll be keeping track of the, the driver standings with an asterisk next to it. Yeah. I, I think Max is turning us into, I I think Max turns into Red Bull fans on Checo's behalf. I just can't believe that Sam has now found a way to be rooting for somebody from all the top three teams throughout the season. I mean, it's crazy for Sam. You, you can't lose now. You've got your favorite guys, Charles, your favorite guys, Checo, your favorite guys, all the Mercedes guys, except for Bottas, like your signs guy. Like you, you can't miss. You can't miss with any of your takes. Carlos Sainz going to win a race, but I want Checo and I want George and I want Lewis and man, like you don't have enough hands to count all of your takes. Jeez. Hell yeah, brother. Holy Hell yeah, God. brother. Fired up. Wow. Yeah. Sam, stand for something. for anything, I guess. So guys, what's the, who do you guys think is the better driver, Max Verstappen or Checo Perez? Oh, still depends what the strategy is. Depends if Joe's Verstappen cries in us that week. Nope. Uh, on track. Who's got the, who's the better car? Who's got the better, who's got the better racing style? Who's got the better guts and grit on track? What do you think? The better driver is Max. Yeah, like, of course it is. All right. So then we'll see what happens. So it sounds like you guys okay. think Red Bull is going to win this weekend because you guys are talking about Max winning and Sergio maybe winning and, and Max 1-2 with Sergio and Max or maybe Checo and I'll Max 1-2. I'll save my predictions for the prediction portion of the show. Yeah. I should segue nicely into the prediction portion of the show. I feel actually. like we're almost there at this point. Holy cow. Like, geez. We're, we're like chomping at the bits, dude. We're chomping at we're teasing everyone this week. Man, I feel teased. Let's not get quite there to the, the predictions for this week. I mean, Christian Horner did come out. He addressed Yost Verstappen's comments. He's like, there's no 
driver that is this is not about one driver or another. He's like, this is, it's a team. Both drivers know this is a team and it's, everyone works together as a team. He's like, this is not Max Verstappen Oracle Racing and this is not Sergio Perez Oracle Racing. So you guys talk about crooks. I mean, it's pretty clear. It came right out and said like, this is Red Bull, Oracle Red Bull Racing. What's he supposed to say? Come on. Yeah, all the negative press against his team. I mean, he's got to come out and cover his own ass. You guys just, everyone in F1 needs a heel and everyone has somehow, somehow love the eight time drivers or the eight time constructor in a row world champion, Toto Wolf, Mercedes, AMG, Mercedes Benz F1 racing somehow is like they're God's gift to the world and they can do no wrong, even though they were like dominating for eight straight years. And yet like Red Bull just is like, they win one drivers on something that had nothing to do with them because Michael Massey comes in and they're fighting with Ferrari at the top of the field. But yet somehow you guys like love, love to hate them. Like they didn't have Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton's dad, you know, in the media saying that they got it. They got to give He was in the media when he was back in early days of Mercedes. He was complaining about the the strategy and saying that they were giving they were giving Lewis throwing the Pirelli hat at Nico Rosberg. I mean, you're talking to me about like that. These guys are like from Lewis's dad for the next episode. Yeah, all right. So, I mean, Christian Horner clearly. I, I've said it. Yost, get out of the paddock. Like, why are these guys involved? He's I don't not leaving, it. man. He's not leaving. He's he's Max's sidekick. He's just kind uh, of his spokesperson. Nah, yeah, they're best buds. Yeah, I don't think so. so. Also, to be fair, Matt, I've been a longtime hater of Red Bull. Uh, despite my fanhood, whatever the word is. Of out of the closet manhood. You're out of the closet yeah. manhood. Yeah, hell yeah. Fire it up. Uh, I am a big Sebastian Vettel fan, but when he was on Red Bull, man, he was so easy to hate, especially winning four in a row. Ugh. And I don't get that. You love Sebastian Vettel, but you hated when he won on Red Bull. I, this, this doesn't make any sense to me. No, I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what zero you're saying. Sense. That makes zero sense. That'd be like if Sam started to like hate Lewis Hamilton because he started racing for Lawrence Stroll at Aston Martin. Like that would just make no sense. Not really. You can you can hate a team, but like the guy that drives on it. I would love to see what you guys would do if Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc were in the blue overalls at Red Bull Racing. Like your brains must be in pretzels. Like your, your brain must be absolutely in pretzels if you had to like root for Lewis Hamilton while he's driving under Christian Horner as team principal. Well, I mean, for Sam, that would be that would that would present the problem. But for me, yeah, he I'm, wouldn't be able to reconcile. His brain would explode. He wouldn't know like whether or not he should root for Red Bull or just Lewis, and then still root for like Mercedes, and then but he's got like Ferrari plus two twenty five thousand to win the constructors. So like his brain would literally explode of who to root for. Like, yeah, do you root mercy, for your favorite driver of all there. time on your most hated team of all time against like the team that you've got like plus thirty five thousand on the constructor to win? Like your head would literally pop off your body. Sam, you're ignoring yeah, the question. I'm just happy we'll never have to cross that bridge. Lewis would never know. go to the dark if side. You, for our fans that have listened, Lewis would never drive for Horner, so I'll According never have to. According to Stefano, he thought that that was a big driver swap earlier in one of our podcasts. He thought Max and, and Lewis swapping out, going to Mercedes and bringing him to Red Bull. I stand by that. Speaking of, I, I, guys, let's revisit this last thing before we go to our, our predictions because I think we've teased the listeners a lot with our predictions. I'm starting to get the sense that 
we're not we're gonna see a driver swap out midseason. And I'm getting more and more comfortable that it might not be two teams swapping drivers, although I still think it might be. But I'm still every day that goes by, guys, I wake up every morning and check Twitter and I think that Danny Ricardo is gonna be announced that he's out of a seat at McLaren. Matt, I've got I've got a I've got a take that's been cooking in the oven. Oh my god, Sam, it's ding ding, the timer's up. I mean the taste is in, it's it's good, it's ready to go. Pull the takeout. So one of the biggest underperformers of the season so far, our buddy Mick Schumacher. Yep. It's a big week for him. He's not only does he have to finish a race, he needs to like actually perform well. Yes. If he, he needs doesn't, a finish. if we if we see another crash out or something, and he starts, you know, getting to that point where can this guy race an F one? Would anyone be surprised to see Daniel Ricardo fill that seat in Haas? And I, I just, the, the more time goes on, I, I can kind of see Daniel Ricardo, a big time face turn going into the Haas car and maybe turning things around in that car. Just a, just a little take of mine. That, I, you know what? So that take is pretty freaking hot. I will say that you didn't even let that cool before you cut a slice and put that on my plate for me to eat. So my mouth's burning right now from how hot that take is. What I will say, Sam, that I, I love that. I think that that's actually very realistic. My biggest question is like, I don't think you see Mick Schumacher out of Formula One with a name like Schumacher this year. That's maybe the send hardest down, thing. Maybe send him down to F2 for a year or something. Well, maybe he's, he's been horrendous. He's been, he's, I think he's been worse than Latifi, to be honest. I mean, nobody's been worse than Latifi, let's be honest. He's had two mega crashes between Jeddah and then what happened in Monaco. Um, but like we said last time in our Monaco Disaster recap, in Miami, too. I mean, he's been no, bad. Disaster in Miami, that's true, too. He did connect with, with Sebastian. I mean, he's costing the team millions in the cost cap. So Yeah, but if any driver is going to get an infinite number of benefits of the doubt, it's going to be... Michael Schumacher's son, Mick Schumacher. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's the, the hard part. Now, I mean, that's the hard he's part. Almost, he's almost he's almost as bulletproof as uh, the two pay drivers on the grid, Lance Stroll and Nicholas Latifi. Yeah, and Yosfer. I mean, Max Verstappen. He's almost as bulletproof as him as well. Um, so I like to take Sam. I wouldn't hate. I mean, I'm still pretty confident that like I'm confident that Danny Ricardo by the summer break, if he's not scored a point by the summer break, he's 100% out of the McLaren seat midway through the season. Well, and the problem is I think he's got points, but he's just doesn't have that many of them. I think he's, no, I mean, 10 or 11 he's got 11 points. I mean, okay, between 11, yeah. now and the summer break, if he's not well, in the yeah, points, he doesn't any score race. any points in the next, whatever, how many races. He's, he's, he's got to get closer to Lando on the standings. That's, that's the main thing. I don't think he's going to. I think it's an absolute clear divide between the two of those guys. Yeah. If you look at Danny Rick, he looks as though he is absolutely crestfallen every time he has to get into a McLaren. Uh, there's a good chance that he just bins the rest of the season Dude. and just nulls his contract out completely, starts somewhere else in 2023. 
Dude, we're seeing the exact same Danny Ricardo this season as we saw last season. Started off somewhat okay, scored a couple points, and then progressively got worse. And his Didn't teammate got progressively season? better. Yeah, he won. He won a he race. He won in though. Monza, but up That's until Monza, he, he had to like soul search. And the only reason he he actually he actually I was gonna say the only reason he won was because Max and Lewis crashed, but it was not true because he was challenging. He, I think he was leading the race, challenging Max and Lewis that race. But up until then, he had a disastrous season. It they was gave him, they gave him the win. Lando would have beat him that race too. They yeah, let Lando race him. They sabotaged Lando's race, which sucked because um, I'm a big Lando fan. Yeah, but they did. the yeah. whole podcast is. Whole podcast is Team Lando, Team El Fordo. Um, but no, I mean, I hate to bring him up every single week, but every single day something else comes up. We saw Jack Villeneuve said the other day that they should just kick him out of the seat and pay him to sit on his couch because he's that bad. That was a harsh take from that smelly jean short wearing Canadian, but I have to agree. I mean, how could you not? So. I don't know, guys. More to more to look out for. More to watch on that. A bad weekend at Baku. Another crash, and I think we could start to like. This is going to really slip away. I Never do mind a crash. A, a, a finish outside the top ten. Yeah, could outside spell trouble for Danny Rick. He needs a points finish. Him and, tr- him and Mick needs point need point uh, points finishes. Yeah, and Sam, your boys, the Haas boys, they need to prove something right now this weekend too. There's a this is a big. We're about like 35, 40% through the season with race eight this weekend. Teams need to start like putting some weekends together. Like yeah. the Haas team, like Alpine's been consistent. McLaren needs to get a second driver going and. And Alfa Romeo, like these teams in the midfield, it's a toss up and nobody's grabbing that prize. Yeah. Haas is circled on my list of teams that I'm watching this weekend that need a big weekend. I feel like we said it last couple of races. I mean, K-Mag's lucky that he had that great, you know, Bahrain race because he's been horrendous since then. Um, Both drivers really have been. So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) Magnuson's another name where, Man, if you have the chance to take him out of the seat and put Ricardo in, wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, well, I would. Um, And I I think Magnuson's been awful. Uh, And I like Magnuson. I love Haas. I I want them to to do well. But I think he's been a supreme disappointment after the first race. And we've seen that car is pretty solid. That car should be competing with McLaren, Alpine, towards the top of the midfield. So they, they need to put up or shut up especially this week. I think their, their car should set up pretty well at this track. Yeah. I mean, K mags 15 points off of Esteban Ocon. He's four points ahead of Danny Ricardo in the Haas. Only two drivers did not score a point this year, Mick Schumacher and Nicholas Latifi. But to your point, Sam, good segue into like teams that you're looking for this weekend. Let's move on to our predictions. So like we do every single race preview week for our new listeners, we do our race predictions. We do it before FP1, the only podcast in the entire world that does our predictions before FP1. Once you start doing FP1, it's a little bit easy to kind of get a pulse of where these cars are going to shake out on track. So we do midweek based off our guts, based on our track reviews, historical data points, uh, what's happened in the previous part of the season, and just kind of guts of what we're looking at for upgrades and packages. And, and setup related things coming into the weekend. We do a poll prediction for qualifying. Stefano's the only one on the podcast who does P1 through 3 on poll, so front row lockout and the third slot. And then we do poll podiums, so uh, P1, P2, P3. This week, start with myself. 
first time that I'm starting with myself. I'm going to lead us off. I'm going to give my takes right for the weekend. I think you go to Max Checo one, two and Charles Leclerc on third. I, that's how confident I am. And it's a Red Bull weekend. I think that they've got the better straight line speed. I think that they are coming off of great points in both Monaco, Spain and Miami. They're super confident. Their drivers are super confident. They had very good success this time last year. Sergio started on, on sixth. He ended up getting to like P3, P4 by the like fifth turn and then they all passed Charles Leclerc. I think Carlos Sainz is going to have a bad weekend. Not a bad one, but I just don't think he's super confident. And I think Charles Leclerc has a, a good weekend. I just think the Red Bull, it's like their race pace weekend where Charles drives really good, but the team just doesn't have the pace. And I think you get Max on pole. Like It's not a super hot take, but I just think that that's what happens this weekend. I think it's a very clear Red Bull 1-2. Charles on third with a Max pole sitter. That's that's it. That's my prediction for the weekend. I know it's a very Homer take. It's a very Red Bull take. Um, last time, I think in Monaco, I predicted Valtteri Bottas or somebody else. I think it was like Lewis Hamilton, and I predicted no Red Bull to be on the podiums. They were both on the podiums. And I think this weekend, it just suits their eye. And that's my predictions. So, guys, like, you can react to that if you'd like. Yeah, I'll be the first. Um, I'll start with my qualifying predictions because I think uh, Leclerc repeats. Oh, you have no reaction to my homer take of both Red Bulls on one-two after you guys. It's no surprise. Well, fuck you, dude. You'll hear my my reaction to your take. Uh, Running scared, I guess. Go ahead. Uh, Leclerc on pole, repeat of last year. Uh, Max sits uh, second on the grid and uh, Science third. Um, But for the race, Matt, I agree with you. Max and Checo, one, two. Wow. And I think there's a wild card thrown in there. Uh, following his decent showing in Monaco, I think Pierre Gasly is a repeat podium finisher in Baku. And I, I, think, I think his motivation here is to solidify his credentials to maybe occupy a McLaren seat in 2023. So you and I have the same takes virtually. Yeah. Did did the silence is Charles Leclerc get on on pole last year? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Lewis was P two. I meant to correct uh, you earlier, but we we were just going with it. That's right. I forgot about that because then they all overtook him, and uh, and then it was a Max Cho, a Max Checo, Hamilton kind of three way fight behind at, afterwards after they caught him. Got it. Um, all right. Well. Sam, give us your predictions. Yeah, good predictions, guys. Interesting. Um, so this one's tough for me to decide. We said it all episode, maybe the toughest prediction of the year so far. Um, I think the, the track has characteristics that favor both Red Bull and Ferrari. Totally. Um, you know, Ferrari definitely having the advantage of Sector 2 and Red Bull in Sector 3. I said earlier, the race is going to be won in Sector 1. Um, I generally think it's going to be really close. My bold prediction um, and I think we teased this last episode where we said, you know, Red Bull and Ferrari haven't had any collisions yet. Um, I think we see our first collision between the two title favorites Wow! And, uh, on track. Um, I think we finally see some contact. Um, it's heating up. Ferrari has their backs up against the wall a little bit. I think Checo trending. I just think we see some serious racing between the teams and it, it finally comes to an incident. Um, I don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be um, someone between Red Bull and Ferrari. And, you know, that leads me to my predictions of Charles Leclerc will be on pole. Charles Leclerc, our boy Chuck will win the race. 
Checo Perez will be in the two spot and Lewis Hamilton will pick up the pieces and finish third on podium. I think it's probably going to be Max who, uh, who finds himself in the collision with a Ferrari and or maybe even some reliability issues. Maybe that DRS flap doesn't open again. I heard a little bit of rumors that it might've been user error. No surprise there. Um, and maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's Max who falls out of the podium picture this weekend and we see a Chuck Checo Lewis one, two, three podium. Um, so that's, that's my bold prediction uh, for, for Baku this week. So Carlos signs takes one for the team and, and, and boots max off the grid. Potentially. Hell yeah. Fire it up. Oh, I can't believe you guys are rooting for a sabotage from Ferrari to intentionally crash into a rival car. That's pretty low of you guys, I guess. Listen, this like a fun podcast. Uh, sabotage. Sounds like you guys are really rooting for that. He had me, Sam, of like the title fighters getting into a crash. Like I could see Charles and and Max. I really don't see a Max. I mean, maybe Max on his own, but like. I don't see a Carlos Sainz Max crash. That seems so remote. Like, well, but I, yeah, I, don't even I mean, see that. I just think with three of the four of those drivers in those cars in the hunt, and then maybe with Carlos Sainz feeling a little left out, chip on his shoulder, maybe fighting for a P2, something along those lines. I don't know. It could happen. I can see well, it happening after like a first. Max pit stop. Max get like pitting in, fighting his way back up the grid, contact with Carlos Sainz, maybe. Well, so what I was going to ask when you said two guys getting into a collision for the title fight, my question was going to be like, maybe I check on Max. Charles and Max, but my question would be like, is, is that driven by, no pun intended, Charles having a little bit of like some pressure on him to like definitely go for like uh, an inside move and like kind of like what you saw like Max did a couple times last year where he's like I want to like I want to win this race and get that corner and they collide like that was my question to you definitely like, that you could, could, that could play signs. yeah that could pull it no it, it it very well could be Chuck um and you make a great point there we haven't seen that side of him yet and I think he's got it in him. Um, and maybe the past couple of weeks, last week specifically, um, having just a win totally stolen from him from his team, um, it puts him in a position where he's got to get a little more aggressive and he realizes he can't be giving races away. And we see that aggressiveness turn into an incident. Maybe that's what happens. Yeah. And honestly, you said, you know, I think we, I think he has it in him. I mean, we've clearly seen it in him. The way he reacted on the team radio at Monaco, it was very clear that he. He was pissed off. It was honestly like it was flashbacks to how how Max reacted before he got his first championship belt. Like he he had the very same type of thing where it's almost like this pressure on you to win, perform, be the best, and your team screws it up and you freak out because you know how many how important the points are. I 100% see that Charles could be a little bit of like a similar to Max hothead where you're fighting for a driver's it's very close and you send it and maybe you lock up and you crash. So I, I think we definitely see that side of him. I think there's a few drivers we definitely could see that side of. Um, I mean, guys, at the end of the day, boiling this down, it's such a freaking tough race to predict. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm super unconfident in like the whole weekend just coming out of Monaco. Like I usually feel like every track we kind of learn a little bit of something I felt like we regressed as like a as like a sport in terms of how to predict what these cars are going to do on track. It feels almost like it's been four weeks since we've actually seen racing. Yeah, and it's such a it's such a dichotomy 
uh, of tracks between Monaco and Baku because they're both street circuits, but you can definitely tell which one is better suited to the modern Formula One being Baku. Um, you know, we like you said, we didn't learn anything in Monaco. It's not really meant as a race to, you know, gather a lot of information from just because like the nature of the circuit is so just unique you know there's no other circuit like it on the calendar um and there it may probably won't be on the calendar in the future who knows yeah um but you know i don't think they were treating monaco as like a data gathering uh opportunity um it's just a race that you race get it out of the way uh do it for tradition's sake do it for you know the pageantry of it all and then you know get back into the grind uh in in baku um, I think that's sort of what, what we're seeing from a lot of the teams uh, and what we're seeing from a lot of uh, Formula One fans in general, you know? Gun to head is George Russell top five. Yes. Hell yeah. Gun to head is, does he beat Lewis Hamilton or does Lewis Hamilton get ahead of his teammate? Lewis gets his win this weekend. You just win had- against his teammate. Wait, 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 Disappointing week. I'm saying wow. P7. Ooh, I don't like that take. Who's, I was who's P6? Valtteri? Bottas. Yeah. Okay. I know Sam well enough to know he's got Bottas somewhere lurking. Russell, fifth. Max. No, wait. That is that is not up. Signs, fourth. Russell, fifth. Max, sixth. Bottas, seventh. Lando, eighth. Fernando right. Alonso, ninth. Ocon, 10th. I was going with Seb rounding out the top 10. I, so that's the other thing that's so tough. He races well here, but that car. It's, a, you know, it's a pig of a car. But I was going to let Sam say he reached for his cup to drink. I was pausing so Sam could car. say it's a pig of a car. And it is. It's a pig of a car. And it's. I, guys, it's a pig of a car in the hands of a maestro. And I think he can get the most out of it. Uh, this weekend in Baku, so we'll see. I yeah, think, I think, see. I, I think, I think there's a good race ahead for Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, I mean, could be, but again, like, could be. Could guys, not I, be. I, guys, I, everyone. I, I watched a, I watched a YouTube video the other day about Lawrence Stroll potentially selling the team, and this guy like went on a total rant about how like Aston Martin is. I think I saw that same video. Yeah, I saw the same video to work for. Yeah, and it's super like high stress or whatever. And they go back and they're like the pink Mercedes, and they showed the side by side, and it was legitimately the, the exact, exact same, same car. car. And then they showed the green Red Bull, and they were like, it's literally the exact. They're like Aston Martin just copies everything the other teams do. It's insane, and they still can't win they still have no way to unlock any pace it's absolutely crazy and i don't know i just thought it was hysterical guys final thoughts heading into baku let's start with you sam what's your final thoughts for for baku i think this is the most excited i've been for a race this season between the track and kind of the build up into the race i think we're in for a treat this weekend uh, i i can't wait very excited stefano final thoughts yeah, I'll have to echo the same sentiment. After uh, a two-week gap from the last race, you know, I've been chomping at the bits to get back uh, into the the Formula One calendar. Uh, I think this is going to be a hell of a race. I'm fired up for it. Uh, I think the drivers are too. Um, it's going to be it's going to be quite the quite the quite the spectacle. Yeah, race week is Baku. 
Hell yeah, fired up. Fired up. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's a wrap for us on this week's episode of In the Points. Tune in this Sunday, June 12th, for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix at Baku, the city of wind. It's a true litmus test for Mercedes, as this could be the weekend that their championship aspirations hinges on. How will Ferrari respond to the strategy issues from Monaco? Will Jos Verstappen finally get his own direct line to the Red Bull pit wall? And who will step up and solidify their spot for best of the rest? As always, please like, subscribe, and smash all those bells and whistles so you never miss the hottest takes in the Formula One world. It's a short week next week as we have doubleheader one of three with Montreal during Father's Day weekend. A special double stack episode is coming your way that you will not want to miss. Until next week, stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing.